Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Morrissey Movement. The purpose of this podcast is to discuss and share one aspect of fitness and one aspect of medicine. Being a general surgeon and a garage gym athlete, I have a strong passion for both of these aspects of life. So sit back and enjoy the show. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. I am in no way forming a patient-doctor relationship. While the aspects discussed in this podcast are medically accurate, you should always discuss with your doctor any questions that you may have about the content. You should always discuss with your doctor before starting any new exercise or dietary changes. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Dr. Chris Morrissey back for another episode of The Morrissey Movement. Um, Today's topic actually kind of covers both in the medicine realm as well as the fitness realm so we're going to be talking about caffeine today period so I've got quite a bit to talk about so I'm going to go ahead and just kind of jump right in um, so I'm basically going to cover <clears throat> kind of the the structure of caffeine uh, some of the physiology that it does to your body and then also discuss about caffeine content which is in a lot of the drinks that we consume on a regular basis so um, so I'm gonna go ahead and get started. So caffeine, it's a very common substance that you know all of us love, or not all of us, a lot of us love. Some of us take in more than others. Uh, caffeine has many different forms, coffee, tea, soda, energy drinks, tablets, gum, gels, coffee, and so, or I'm sorry, chocolate, and so on. Um, different sources have different amounts, which I will cover later on. So today I'm gonna to go through the content of those sources, some interesting facts and snippets about caffeine. <clears throat> so on the market, as far as supplements go, there's only two, two tried and true supplements that do work. There's caffeine and there's creatine. Um, they have the most research behind them and they both pretty much do what they state that they do. Um, so most of the other performance and muscle hand- enhancing supplements, they probably won't do what they say that they do. If the product states it boosts your testosterone by 6,000%, I'm guessing that's probably not legit. So do your research before you spend and waste a lot of money on a lot of nonsense that you see out there. Um, so first off, not an official sponsor, but I'm personally fueled by Bones Coffee and by Rockstar Energy Orange Recovery. Um, those are my caffeine sources that I typically consume in a day. I'm actually drinking a Rockstar currently as we are recording this. So um, my morning routine, basically I get up, I grind coffee beans every morning, and I do the pour over coffee method. Um, and then I also mix in about 20 grams of bulletproof collagen protein and some MCT oil into my coffee and I add a little bit of creamer so I'm a big believer and I also practice intermittent fasting which we can discuss on a different podcast or the timed feedings depending on how you want to um, discuss that topic but um, so yes it's not a true fast since there is a little bit of coffee creamer in there but it isn't that much and I really don't care so I'm a doctor and I can do whatever I want so basically that's how I start my morning in addition to I try to also read about 30 minutes every morning after I get up um, to work on one of my side hustles currently actually I am in an online mentorship with Dr. Mike T. Nelson who has the flex diet super cool guy super knowledgeable and super smart and all this stuff so um, so that's what I'm doing right now so after six months of his mentorship I'm hoping that I'll be launching my own internet personal training and overall fitness business so that's just my little sidetrack that I'm working on right now. Anyway, back to the story. <clears throat> so I usually consume about one more cup of what I call prison hospital coffee between surgeries or wound clinic patients. Um, then in the afternoon, I usually drink one of my rock stars that I buy by the case from Amazon. Um, depending on the day and what day of the week it is, I may drink more than one. 
Um, one of my main focuses today is also going over specifically a lot of the brands of energy drinks because I'm a energy drink connoisseur. Um, go through their ingredients, compare and contrast them. Um, are energy drinks bad for you? Well, not really. If you consume them in massive quantity like everything else in life, then yes, they are bad for you. You know, you probably hear about those people that go to the ER after drinking 20 rock stars or something like that. But obviously, yes, they drink 20 rock stars, so that will make them really sick. Um, there's also lots of variables also um, with caffeine and everything like that. So first off, we're just going to talk about caffeine itself. So the drug that we love, caffeine, or the scientific formula is... 137 trimethyl purine 26 dione for the science nerds out there or CHH10 N4O2 for the organic chemistry geeks out there as well. <clears throat> so caffeine in its pure form is actually a white powder that tastes very bitter. We ingest this in various forms so it's absorbed in the GI tract and then is metabolized by the liver. This is a mild stimulant to our central nervous system that can improve cognition and awareness and also improve motor function and focus. This can also be a boost to our workout performance. Caffeine also interferes with feedback from the muscles and other organs to the brain and reduces pain perception, force sensation, and also ratings of perceived exertion during exercise, or RPE. These effects add up to an improved ability to perform in sports. Um, this was done by Estorino back in 2011 Doherty and Smith. Um, this is a little research paper that I had read. Um, <clears throat> so there was a recent study examined whether low doses of caffeine consumed late into exercise improved cyclic time trial performances or TT performances. 80 minutes into a 120 minute ride, 15 cyclists drank either a sports drink, a sports drink with 100 milligrams of caffeine, or a sports drink with 200 milligrams of caffeine. Results showed those who drank 200 milligrams of caffeine completed a subsequent time trial one minute faster than their baseline. This was by Talian and Spirit back in 2016. Caffeine stays in our body for hours. Caffeine is absorbed in the blood and then the tissues within about 45 minutes of being consumed. Um, but it takes much longer than that for the body to break it down and for it to clear a person's system. Um, you may know people out there who say, oh, I can drink a cup of coffee or I can drink a rock star and go to bed. The half-life of caffeine or the time it takes to eliminate one half of the caffeine people have in their bodies is about four hours, um, which is kind of more than a lot of people thought. But that doesn't mean that all of the caffeine is gone after eight hours. So in fact, it may be in your system for up to 12 hours before completely being gone of that morning cup of coffee you drank. <clears throat> so you kind of really, really be careful about caffeine consumption late in the day, especially if you're a person who doesn't sleep well. Caffeine's half-life may be shortened to about three hours in people who smoke for whatever reason. And in contrast, women who take birth control pills may keep caffeine in their system for up to four hours longer than women who are not on the pill, according to another study. Um, pregnancy can actually extend caffeine's half-life even more, lengthening, lengthening it up to ten and a half hours during the final four weeks of pregnancy. Um, so because it can take up to 12 hours to clear caffeine from the body, the drug often wears off when a person is almost ready to go to bed. This makes it easier for people to develop a dependency on caffeine because it makes people want to continue to drink it into the next day. If this is taken in mild to moderate consumption, this should be perfectly fine. Um, granted that you are fairly healthy and you don't have any medical conditions, so I'll always consult your doctor before adding this to your routine if you don't routinely use it. The Food and Drug Administration, or the FDA, consider 400 milligrams of caffeine ingestion daily as a safe dose. Now, this doesn't mean ingest this amount all at one time. 
Um, in rare instances when caffeine is consumed high enough, typically in excess of five grams in an adult. So before we were talking about milligrams, now we're talking about grams. So one gram equals a thousand milligrams. So this is taking 5,000 milligrams of caffeine which is equivalent to about 30 to 50 cups of coffee. It can kill you, obviously. So you'll go into cardiac arrhythmias, more likely tachycardia. You could develop into ventricle fibrillation or ventricle tachycardia, which is bad for you. You end up dying if you don't get this intervention fixed quickly. So in an acute fatal overdose of caffeine in humans, it's about 10 to 14 grams, which is equivalent to about 150 to 200 milligrams per kilogram of body weight. So this is a caffeine overdose. In the case of this, seizures may occur as caffeine is a central nervous system stimulant. It should be used with extreme caution in those with epilepsy or other seizure disorders. Symptoms of overdose can include nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and gastrointestinal upset. Intoxication with caffeine included in the World Health Organization's International Classification of Diseases, or ICD-10. Um, you can get agitation, anxiety, restlessness, insomnia, tachycardia, tremors, psychomotor agitation in some cases death can occur depending on the amount of caffeine consumed overdose is more likely to occur in individuals who do not consume caffeine regularly but consume energy drinks so as far as for overdose management for a mild caffeine overdose you offer symptomatic treatment in cases of a severe overdose you may have to put them on the ventilator and do what's called intubation where you put a tube in their throat and put them on a ventilator to breathe for them um, <clears throat> to protect their airway and because you may have changes in mental status or you may have vomiting and you may vomit into your lungs and get aspiration pneumonia. Um, activated charcoal and hemodialysis can prevent further complications of an overdose and prevent absorption of metabolism. Benzodiazepine drugs can be administered to prevent or treat seizures, which is something like Ativan or medications in that class. IV fluids and vasopressors may be necessary to combat hypotension associated with caffeine overdose. So your blood pressure can become very low and you have to have a medication to keep your blood pressure up. In addition, magnesium and beta blocking drugs can be used to treat arrhythmias that may occur with defibrillation and resuscitation if the arrhythmias are lethal. So you have to follow what are called ACLS or advanced cardiac life support protocols. So on TV, when they charge the pads and shock people, that's kind of what we're talking about. In the latest version of the psychology handbook, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders or the DSM-5, caffeine withdrawal is actually listed as a mental health condition. The text describes the effects seen in some people who abruptly stop or dramatically cut back on their daily caffeine use. So if you are wanting to get off caffeine, which would be completely insane, but if you do want to do this, you want to do it in a progressive fashion. So I would shoot to do it over one to two weeks to come completely off of it. Um, Back when I had COVID in October and I was like super sick, I was in bed for 10 days, didn't eat, didn't drink. I'm pretty sure I detoxed off of it, but um, I didn't take any caffeine the whole time I was sick. So I have noticed that I'm a little bit more sensitive to caffeine than I used to be, but I'm s still building my tolerance back up. So all is well with the world. Caffeine has a similar molecular structure to a chemical called adenosine, which is a neurotransmitter. So that's a substance that transmits nerve impulses in the brain. Because of its chemical resemblance to adenosine, caffeine can actually bind to those receptors in the brain cells. So caffeine's stimulation effect comes from mainly when it acts on those receptors. So normally, the binding of adenosine to its receptors produces drowsiness and depresses the central nervous system, which slows down nerve cell activity and promotes relaxation. So in caffeine, molecules take the place of adenosine and bind the exact same receptors. It blocks the sleep-inducing actions of adenosine and speeds up nerve cell activity. Um, so this is kind of where we say, you know, you should not drink caffeine later in the day because actually your body 
will be blocking, the receptors aren't going to be bound with adenosine like it's supposed to be, which can then secrete melatonin, which causes you to become sleepy and drowsy at night. So if you have issues sleeping, you should definitely cut down your caffeine usage or eliminate it completely to augment your sleep. So there's actually a really good book called Why We Sleep by Dr. Matt Walker. He's like a world-renowned sleep expert that I read. I learned a lot of things from this book, um, so I'd highly recommend it. It's very medically academic in nature so a lot of things me being a doctor I could understand them but some people it may be a little bit much um, but anyway you do learn a lot of good things about sleep from that book so anyway back to coffee and caffeine <clears throat> so the fragrant brown beans that people might toss into their grinder every morning actually come from a bright red fruit so coffee in its natural state is actually a bright red fruit not brown beans um, coffee comes from shrubs known as coffee cherries that produce a red berry when ripe. Um, the actual coffee beans, which are actually green, are found inside the coffee cherries. So coffee has to be picked by hand because the red fruit doesn't all mature at the same time. Before the beans are used to make coffee, the pulp from the red fruit was first fermented and used to make wine. Some people had said sometime around 1000 AD, people in Arabia began to roast coffee beans to make a beverage for them. But according to the National Coffee Association, <clears throat> an industry trade group, an Ethiopian goat herder named Kaldi, K-A-L-D-I, first discovered the stimulant powers of coffee around 800 AD when he found his goats dancing and frolicking in the fields after grazing on the red berries from a coffee shrub. So that's just a very fundamental picture to see of these goats going absolutely crazy in the field. After seeing its effects on his goats, Kaldi also tried the coffee cherries. He had a similar reaction to them. Then a monk who supposedly observed Kaldi and his goat's odd behavior plucked some berries and took them back to his monastery for his brothers to try that night. After consuming the fruit, they became more alert and attentive during long hours of evening prayer. According to legend, the monks came up with the idea of drying the fruits and boiling them into a beverage. It's as if coffee cherries were the answer to the monks' prayers, or at least their ability to stay awake during their prayers. Researchers found that coffee can amplify stress in people who consume it every day. In a small study of habitual coffee drinkers, um, it was found that coffee amplifies the stress response in the body, resulting in increasing in blood pressure and heart rate, as well as increases in production of stress hormones. Caffeine directly affects not only the way a person's body responds to stress, but also the mind by magnifying an individual's perception of stress. An exaggerated stress response can make a difference to people with conditions such as high blood pressure and type 2 diabetes. Caffeine is also found in leaves, fruits, and seeds from some caffeine producing plants including coffee and tea shrubs, cola and cacao trees, guarana and yerba mate from South America. Caffeine in plants function as a natural pesticide to help ward off insects that may attack the plants and it may be useful in pest control, suggested a study from researchers at Harvard Medical School that published in 1984 in the Journal of Science. At high doses, caffeine can even be toxic to insects. Caffeine is also a natural herbicide that gets released into the soil so that weeds can't grow near or around coffee beans and tea shrubs. Weeds may come, I'm sorry, weeds might compete with the shrubs for nutrients. It was noted on coffee farms, caffeine can build up so much in the soil that the coffee plants themselves might even suffer. So kind of interesting little bit of background of where the coffee comes from. So next, we're gonna kind of discuss um, this is going to be per average of um, some of the different caffeine contents. So for people to notice performance and to be in a safe range, the amount of body weight has been quoted as you can take in between three and six milligrams per kilogram of body weight. So if someone weighs 100 kilograms, to make math simple, 
I would say you should stick to the low end of around 300 milligrams of caffeine prior to an athletic event. Any more than that, you know, for me personally, especially, I'll notice that I get really shaky and I just don't seem to perform as well. So you kind of got to find a sweet spot with this. But um, so there's caffeine tablets, which are like the no-dos and everything. Those are around 100 to 200 milligrams of caffeine. Coffee can be anywhere between 100 to 400 milligrams, depending on the, all the variables that can go into coffee. Um, sports slash energy drinks, these can be anywhere between 800 to 300 per 12 ounce can, depending on the type of drink you have. Um, there's some caffeine gum that actually can have up to 100 milligrams per stick. There's some certain caffeine gels that you can intake that's anywhere between 25 and 100 milligrams. Tea on average has 30 to 75 milligrams per eight ounces. Soda and colas are fairly lower. They have anywhere between 30 to 50, depending on the brand of soda that you have. And chocolate is basically minimal. Um, so I'm actually gonna list off, I have this huge list of all these different um, specific drinks with all the caffeine content. I'm not gonna go through every single one because this would be a lot, but I'm just gonna talk about some of the ones that are on the higher end. So for instance, Starbucks, Pike Place Roast. If you get a venti 20 ounce cup, then this is roughly about 410 milligrams of caffeine. Um, next on the list of Starbucks is Blonde Roast. And if you get a Grande, which is 16 ounce, there's 360 milligrams of caffeine. Um, a, a Grande of uh, Pike Place Roast, which we just discussed. So that's 16 ounces, it's about 310 milligrams of caffeine. Dunkin' Donuts coffee. So if you get a large 20 ounce coffee from Dunkin' Donuts, it's roughly 270 milligrams of caffeine. Um, Starbucks has a dark roast. It's approximately 260 milligrams of caffeine in a grande. Um, Cafe Americano is about 225 milligrams of caffeine in a grande. Um, going on down the list, Starbucks Espresso, which is 1.5 ounces, it's about 150 milligrams of caffeine. A uh, cafe latte or cappuccino is about 150 milligrams from Starbucks if you get the grande. Um, Starbucks chai latte, hot or iced, which is about 16 ounces, is a roughly 95 milligrams of caffeine. Um, a frappuccino has about 95 milligrams of caffeine. Um, getting away from Starbucks, you get down into the um, coffee, the Death Wish coffee, which I actually am a cold fan of. This is the unsweetened cold brew, which I do not, I despise cold coffee, but this has approximately 300 milligrams of caffeine per eight ounce serving. There's a high brew nitro black cold brew, which is 10 ounces of this is about 200 milligrams of caffeine. Um, let's see, I'm trying to scroll through this whole list because I don't want to read this entire thing, but it is fairly interesting. Um, Folgers Classic Roast, so you use two tablespoons to make 12 ounces of coffee. This is anywhere between 120 to 160 milligrams of caffeine, which I feel this, I actually thought it was going to be lower with that. Um, most Keurig cups use one pod. It's anywhere between 750, I'm sorry, 75 to 150 milligrams of caffeine. Um, Folgers Half Calf, so if you want to cut down on your caffeine usage, you use the same amount. You use two tablespoons and make 12 ounces. It's anywhere between 60 and 80 milligrams of caffeine. Um, and then Folgers Decaf has anywhere between two and eight milligrams of caffeine. So when you're getting decaffeinated, it's still never completely truly decaffeinated, but it's virtually zero compared to before. Um, <clears throat> under soft drinks, the highest soft drink that's stated on this chart is actually Pepsi Zero with sugar. It's 12 ounces, or I'm sorry, Pepsi Zero sugar. Um, 12 ounces has 69 milligrams of caffeine. The old Surge soda that used to be so big back in the day, 16 ounces of that had about 68 milligrams of caffeine. Mountain Dew has only 54 milligrams of caffeine, which back in the day when I drank pop, that was my 
soda of choice. Um, yes, in Kansas we say pop. Actually, we say Coke, and then we will say what kind of Coke we want. So it's strange, and there's always an argument about what's the proper way to say that. Um, Diet Coke, 12-ounce can, has 46 milligrams of caffeine. Pepsi has 35 to 38 milligrams of caffeine. Um, Barks Root Beer has 22 milligrams of caffeine. Um, 7-Up has zero, as does A&W Root Beer. A lot of the root beers actually are zero caffeine. Um, now onto my favorite topic of energy drinks. So some of these I've never heard of, um, but at the top of the list, there's one called Adrenaline Shock. So a 16 ounce can is uh, about 300 milligrams of caffeine. This is the same with Bang. Um, Bang has multiple flavors. It's been around for a little bit. It actually has creatine and some other electrolytes also. So they kind of look at this as a pre-workout energy drink. Um, I do get some on occasion. I can't slam it like I can a Rockstar. I have to sip on this or I get way too jittery. So um, the five hour energy shot, the extra strength, you get 1.9 ounces and you get about 230 milligrams of caffeine. Um, the five hour regular strength is only 200 milligrams of caffeine compared to the 230 extra strength. So on average, Monster has 160 milligrams of caffeine as does NOS. Um, Rockstar also has 160 milligrams of caffeine. Um, there's a Mountain Dew Amp. Um, those are kind of came out, I don't know how many years ago, but they have 142 milligrams of caffeine, so way more than the regular Mountain Dew Cola. Um, Coca-Cola Energy um, has 114 milligrams of caffeine. Uh, Mountain Dew Kickstart, 16 ounces, has 90 milligrams of caffeine. Red Bull um, actually only has 80 milligrams of caffeine, which is sort of surprising. It's only eight ounces, however, so I guess if you drink two Red Bulls, which would be the equivalent of one Rockstar, you're getting about the same amount of caffeine. Um, the V8 Energy, which are actually pretty tasty, those have 80 milligrams of caffeine in an eight ounce can. Um, so those are kind of the main, some of the main energy drinks. Um, so from a, an ingredients standpoint in a, in a can of um, orange Rockstar Recovery, the reason I like these is number one, they're not carbonated. Number two, they only have 10 calories. Um, or actually, I'm sorry, 25 calories. There's three grams of carbs. Um, plus they have some electrolytes. They have B6, B12, pan pantholytic acid, magnesium, milk thistle, which is good for like liver detox and all that good stuff. So, but again, it's got 160 milligrams of caffeine. Um, very safe, well within the range of uh, um, the amount of caffeine you can consume per day and still be safe. So um, initially I had planned on having all the different energy drink cans and look at all their ingredients and all that stuff. I might do that at another time, but I didn't have time to buy all those this weekend. So I like it just to go with the chart from the internet. Um, there's also some caffeinated waters. Um, there's one called Hydrant um, that has about a 0.3 ounce packet, which makes about 16 ounces of fluid. It's got about 100 milligrams of caffeine. There's a Mio Energy, which most people have probably heard of. See so about half a teaspoon squeeze, which I'm sure we all squeeze way more than half a teaspoon. So half a teaspoon contains 60 milligrams of caffeine. So some people are actually probably getting way more than they think they are. Um, <clears throat> getting down to chocolate, ice cream, and yogurt. There's actually um, Ben and Jerry's brewed ice cream actually has 66 milligrams of caffeine and two thirds of a cup. So this is kind of like, you know, I'm sure we way overeat portions than we say, or we think we do. So you're probably getting way more um, caffeine than you think you are. Breyer's coffee frozen dairy dessert is two thirds of a cup. You get about 20 milligrams of caffeine and the rest of them are virtually zero. Um, as far as the gel and gum, and caffeinated snacks. So there's a Cliff Shot Energy Gel, which you can get chocolate cherry or double espresso. I've never had any of these, but one packet has about 100 milligrams of caffeine. There's some gum called Run Gum, 
which is extra strength energy gum. One piece has about 100 milligrams of caffeine. I actually just saw this at Walmart this weekend. I almost bought it, but I was like, well, I was in a hurry and decided not to. But um, uh, there's some Jelly Bean Extreme Sports Beans. One ounce of those have about 50 milligrams of caffeine. Um, the Goo Energy Gel, different flavors. They have about 40 milligrams of caffeine. Um, there's all kinds of different Goo Energy ones that are listed here. Um, so now we'll look at the over-the-counter supplements um, and actually I would steer clear of anything that's really highly concentrated powder or liquid caffeine as far as the actual just pure caffeine because it's been actually shown to cause a lot of deaths in the United States so the kind of very popular ones back in my early days of training also um, some of the fat burner pills that you can get over the counter so the hydroxy cut hardcore you take two pills of that and you get 270 milligrams of caffeine so basically almost two rock stars worth um, hydro cut or hydroxy cut platinum two kill two capsules will give you 200 milligrams of caffeine no dose you take one caplet and that's 200 milligrams of caffeine vibrin is the same amount um, Excedrin migraine which a lot of people will take for headaches um, it has about 130 milligrams of caffeine Excedrin tension headache has the same amount as well. Um, then there's some Pamprin Max Pain and Energy, which some females may take during uh, their menses for menstrual cramps. That has 130 milligrams of caffeine. So you may think about this before you go to bed because you may not be able to actually sleep. Um, so you just got to be careful with these. So sorry for a little bit of a longer podcast. Actually, it went a little bit faster than I thought it would, but I'm just a huge believer in consumer of caffeine. So I know a lot of you out there do the same so I just wanted to give you some info to kind of go over but um, so just be careful uh, again caffeine is safe if you want to be on the safe side maybe start off like two milligrams per kilogram do it about 30 to 45 minutes prior to going to the gym um, I probably would not recommend mixing pre-workout with energy drinks I've actually done that a few times and once in a great while it's helpful but uh, probably not recommended um you just got to be careful with that but you know i drink energy drinks at least once a day and i've had so many people ask oh my god you're a doctor you drink energy drinks i'm like well yeah but you know it's kind of drinking alcohol well yeah if you drink 30 beers and your body can't handle it then yes you're going to be sick and end up in the emergency room possibly but it's one of those things where i use it to get through my day and i know it's very safe my labs are always okay my only medical problem i have is high cholesterol which has nothing to do with caffeine but anyway, so yes, it is safe for everyone to consume. And just a kind of a, another weird random rabbit hole of the week. Um, I don't know if anybody has ever heard of the term being Rick rolled. Um, this is something that I'm sort of surprised I've never heard of before. I'm usually kind of up on a lot of these things, but my younger sons, Dominic, Broderick, Tobias, and Gideon, um, they, uh, you know, they're 12 down to seven um they were talking about the other day so i asked them what that was and it's so it's it's in like an internet prank where you actually send someone a link and say oh my god check out this hilarious cat video or look at this dude lifting all this weight and then they click on the link and it's a video that goes to rick astley singing never gonna give you up um i thought that was fairly funny i listened to rick astley back when i was a kid and thought it was really cool but um actually I asked him who he was and they had no idea. They're like, oh, it's the guy that you Rickroll people with. So apparently this came out around 2007, um, but I just now heard about it. So my boys send that to a lot of people and they think it's really funny. Um, and it's even defined on Wikipedia and also on Urban Dictionary. So you know it's legit because it's on the internet and everything on the internet is true. So um, thanks for turning into the, this, the uh, show today. So 
thank you for everybody that's given me reviews but if you feel like you can anything up to a five-star review would be very helpful and also please if you have anything you would like discussed for me to go over i'd be happy to do this send me an email to the morrissey movement at gmail.com and I'd be happy to address all of this. Um, today, my sources for all of this podcast was Life Science, PubMed.nih, CSPINET.org, and also Wikipedia. So um, thanks for tuning in. Get up and get moving and do it faster with caffeine. And remember, movement is the best medicine.